0: Sam! Yeah, Don? What's that sound? (coughs) Sounds like whining. You know what a whine is? No. What? Fear escaping from a very small hole.
1: (coughs) Where'd you hear that? I
0: I heard heard it through the
1: the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour. Featuring the collective
0: voices of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, one thing I love about AA is that there's never any
1: controversy.
0: Don't you agree? Yes, there is absolutely no controversy whatsoever. Yes,
1: there is no controversy.
0: Uh yeah, there's always controversy, (laughs) Don. We're alcoholics. We have so many opinions and we are so opinionated and stand by
1: them. And by golly, each and every one of us needs to get our opinion
0: across. Well, yeah, there's that. And but then, you know, one of the crazy things that happens is as recovery happens. We tend to soften. I still have my opinions, there's no doubt. And if yours differs from mine, you're still wrong, but I don't have to make you wrong. Well, you may be right about that. Oh, that's such a good one. (laughs) You may be right. (laughs) Well, this episode is going to be fun. This episode is all (laughs) fun and games. We have two guests to bandy about the hot topic is chanting and call and response, okay, in a meeting. And then they'll compete in our always thrilling quiz show, Stump Stump the the Thumpers. thumpers. (laughs) Oh, goody. Okay,
1: let's meet our guests.
2: Hi, I'm Leslie, alcoholic uh, from Sacramento, California.
0: Hey, Leslie. When did you get sober?
2: March 20th of 2010. I was 20 years old and it was two weeks before my 21st birthday. So I've never had a legal drink. Wow. How
1: did you decide that you had had enough with drinking at such an early age and give up and decide to go to AA and get sober somebody else's way?
2: um, Did not decide on my own. Um, that I was going to go to AA. Um, a nudge I it, or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I threw a party in my mom's house while she was asleep upstairs and she woke up and I drunkenly showed her my stash and she responded that like my choices were to get help or like move out. And I am a very soft person. And so I figured there was like 30 days of consequences possibly I'll just do this to get the heat off my back. And I went to AA and I had a big resentment. I didn't think it was good for you people, but it wasn't good for me. And I did everything I could to get kicked out of rehab. And then I got kicked out of rehab and my mom was like, okay, well that was the last chance. And I was like, oh no, there's consequences. This has never happened to me before. Uh And I started in a resentfully, but like I made friends with people. A lot of them were older women who had like drank for, extended periods of time. And I could relate to that. And all of a sudden I didn't see my future as like being a big party for forever. I saw it as like losing houses and husbands and kids and jobs and all of these losses that were poten- that were going to come to me. Um, and I wanted something different. So
1: you could relate to their lives or you could relate to what
2: I could relate to the feelings of like, Feeling dead inside, feeling inadequate, feeling like everything that you do went wrong, that like even though you tried your best, it was always the wrong thing. I like to say that it's like everyone went right and I always went left. Mm-hmm. And like, wow. and because of that, like I was able, I was kind of able to see that like there was more that was going to happen. You know, mm. I, I have a lot of yet because of that. And um Yet to drinking, I did a lot of damage sober because I was also 20 years old and 20 year olds make poor decisions. I like to say that I lived my early twenties, making all the mistakes of 20 year olds, but I get to remember it, um, which <laughs> may be worse. <laughs>
0: well, I'm, I love hearing you uh, t- identify the yet and that, you know, while this wasn't the, the experience that these older women in recovery were sharing with you were not things that you had experienced, you were still able to kind of hear them with future Leslie's ears.
2: Yeah. There was always a point where like they told stories and I was like, yeah, that's me. Like I've totally done that. Where like, like, I remember this one story where this woman was talking about how she had a date and she was nervous. So she drank a whole bottle of tequila while she was shaving her legs. And then she had all of these like like cuts on her leg, and so she had put like tissue <laughs> paper on her legs, and then like she put nylons over it because she wanted to cover it up, but you could still see it. And she was wasted, and um, she wound up marrying that guy. But like, <laughs> I, I like in that moment, I was like, Yes, that is a very Leslie thing to have, and the, and then and then her story got worse, and so I could see like if it had been one story like that. I probably wouldn't have stayed, but it was like the commonality of it gets progressively worse. And for me, it was so bad. I couldn't imagine what worse was.
0: There's something in our in the big book. Um, you can trust what these people say about themselves. Yeah. That's totally what I'm hearing is that you? you <laughs> were listening and it's like, and you believed the people because the stories just kept coming. And that's fantastic. Liz, introduce yourself.
3: Well, my name is Liz. I'm a recovering alcoholic. My sobriety date is February 1, 1979. Woohoo! Woof. Yeah, I didn't (laughs) say.
0: And where are you located,
1: Liz?
3: Oh, in Greensboro, North Carolina.
1: Can you relate to what Leslie
3: shared? Absolutely can relate. Yes, (laughs) I came to the program to support a friend I fell in love with AA and the part for me was, Oh my God, they're not talking about him. They're talking about me. And I too heard those as yet statements. And I even remember saying to one of the older ladies at the time, Oh, that hasn't happened to me. And she said yet. And I was so incensed that you think I would do that. Uh, Oh, dare (laughs) you. (laughs) <laughs> How dare you? Oh my. And she said you keep drinking. That's there for you. But the I love the stocking and the and the trying to shave your legs and with all those little cuts and toilet paper. That's what I really began to relate to, not the big stuff, but the little stuff of the crazy insane things I was doing either still hungover or still drunk in a hangover or you know, absolutely already drinking. Uh, Those were the things that would eat at me later. I could justify all the big things that I did wrong because you would do that too if you had my life. But it was those little insane things that really grabbed me.
1: So you identified that you were an alcoholic by coming to AA meetings to support someone else.
3: (laughs) Well, yes, I did. I, I identified as an alcoholic. I knew when I was 16 that I was alcoholic and it was... An attitude of, oh, that's too bad. "in not that a shame? It runs in my family, which I didn't quite have the right language, but my aunt was an alcoholic. That's the only one I knew about at the time. It was just sort of my plight in life. And I was ready to accept that completely. I did not know you could do anything about it.
1: What gave you the willingness to face the fact that you were an alcoholic? I mean you had it under control you're going to AA support someone else how did you get to the place to have the willingness to do the things that AA asked you to do that seems crazy to do yeah
3: yeah go to any lengths yeah you have to be alcoholic to be willing to go to these lengths right um, i think what it it slowly ebbed and flowed in me Again, I relate to Leslie in that I did not believe everybody there was not drinking. <laughs> that was not the purpose of being there. It was to not get drunk. Uh, and that's what I would tell my friend is you don't have to quit drinking, for heaven's sakes, just cut down. And I had that attitude for six months or that belief uh-huh. that I, my filter had that I was just filtered all through how to drink like a lady. That's really what I wanted to do. And when I realized that I wanted to drink more than I wanted anything else, that's when it really got my, it was about six months that really got my attention of, oh my God, I am going to have to relook at these things called steps. Cause they didn't make, I mean, they really sounded to me like the 10 commandments, you know, they were there. Yeah. Um, and when I'd hear people work the step, I thought, what are they talking about? And then once I'd started delving into it, I, it just captured me. Thank God, I am so grateful.
0: Yeah. Now, did you delve into it with a sponsor?
3: Oh no, no, I did everything (laughs) privately.
0: (laughs) No, 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 no,
3: no, 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 no. no. No, I'll do it. That's a commitment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't even see it as a commitment. It was talking to somebody else about all Mm. this private stuff. So I read the big book and the twelve and twelve. I I fell in love with the twelve and twelve. And then I would go to step meetings and I would report on how I understood the steps. And then I would hear other I was more open to hearing what other people had to say about the step. And it began to to become more authentic and more practical. I'm a very practical person. And when AA started being really practical, I was hooked.
1: Liz, so when you came in, were people doing call and response in that? Like if they said, uh, I'm Don, I'm an alcoholic, everyone would shout back at you. Hey, Don.
3: Yes, they did actually. But again, that was another one of those weird things. I did not hear that for a very long time. And I went to a meeting feeling really rotten. I mean, it was really hitting my emotional bottom. And the response was, hi, Liz. And I thought, wow, where have you people been all my life? (laughs) So yes, we did absolutely respond to my name is and then hi back.
0: Don, it's almost like you know where we're going next. That's like the perfect (laughs) segue into is chanting and call and response good or bad in a meeting. For example, when someone says, I'm Sam I am and I'm an alcoholic and we shout hi Sam I am back I've never done that by the way
1: (laughs) hi Sam I am
0: (laughs) or at the end of the serenity prayer and the wisdom to know the difference just for today works if you work it but you got to work it every day work 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 Um, and then in the ninth step promises are these extravagant promises some meetings shout we We think think not not. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, Don, the one that I always hear is uh, there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. And everyone goes, now, 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 now. now, now. That's my favorite. That's the one I'm trying to get started, (laughs) Sam. (laughs) It hadn't
0: caught on, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Leslie, what's your experience with call and response in the meetings that you've attended or chanting?
2: I come from a WIPA background.
0: Ooh, what's WIPA?
2: YPAW is the Young People's and Alcoholics Anonymous. It is people who are interested in showing that like we are not a glum lot. And so like we hold speaker meetings because it is about carrying the message, but we also usually hold an event. So like dances, haunted houses, anything you can think of, we've probably done it and messed it up. (laughs) (laughs) One of the big things is that we have conferences, like almost every state has its own conference.
1: There's one here called IKIPA. Is that a conference? That's the international.
2: IKIPA. That's the international conference. And that travels all over. And then there, NorCal, Sacramento has one of the longest standing committees in California.
0: WIPA is a, it's primarily focused on young people and activities that are attractive to young people. And I got to throw out there, my last home group in North Carolina was YP. In WIPA, you've experienced some call and response and some chanting, I know.
2: Absolutely. We And the raunchier, the better. Um, <laughs> and, um, I, I, I mean, and it goes for everything. Like in more about alcoholism, where, we, where they talk about from Scotch to Brandy, it's very often you will hear from Scott to Randy. Like it's literally like, and like within the traditions and all. So like chanting is the call and response is how we build community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very interesting because there's takes on it from all over so like different states say different things like California is so big like different parts of California say different things and how it spreads all over and like one person hears it and goes that's great and so I'm gonna say it and then it's somewhere else you know and so like when I first got to Waipaugh that was so fun and exciting to me. Like, of course we don't take ourselves seriously. Uh, like, we we, we we make fun of the very thing that saved our lives. Like, the frivolity of it was, like, so enchanting to me. And then I realized that, like, it could kind of drive people away. Because, like, if you're not one of those people who's going to shout out and, like, like to be the center of attention that's gonna be intimidating. There is sort of like an insiders of like when it's appropriate to do that. And like what's appropriate to say without crossing the line. And like all of that requires insiders knowledge. And so over time, I realized that like chanting can be exclusionary and the type of AA program that I run is way more inclusive. And so I've kind of come against chanting. Like I, I will do it. When uh, I'm at a conference, but like in regular meetings, I am very against it because I think that that keeps the newcomer from feeling comfortable.
0: I hear you, and I'm I'm very much aligned with you on. I love doing it roundups and conferences. It's it's a you know it's a party. That's what the whole event is. But in a meeting, you know, for people to be doing call and response during how it works or something like that, I would have a problem with that. Well, what about like people's names? They're like. Yeah,
1: I've been to meetings where, you know, certain people, there's a response to their name.
0: So, uh, hi, I'm Sam. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Sam.
1: But then it could be, I'm Sam, an alcoholic, and everyone's go, hi, Sam, I am, you know, could have some specific nickname for you that they would say. I've been to meetings that have about, you know, eight people that have these nicknames that have different responses that everybody says to their name. And I felt like it was exclusionary and also like it's a click. and you have to be part of the group to understand what, why are they saying brick house or something like, you know, whatever they're saying afterwards, what was the clever thing that they're saying? What is how, do, how
0: do I get one of those myself?
1: All of that. First
0: answer is stick around, yeah. <laughs> stick around, get to become a part of. Nicknames are a long tradition inside of A. They are. I would also throw out there that some of the things I've heard and done in very intimate meetings of, say, perhaps a a, a sponsee that I've known for a while, introduce, "Hi, I'm such and such. I'm an alcoholic," and I'll go, "You sure are." You know, I mean, so there. I think a lot of it comes from reading the room, knowing where you are, and that is very difficult for a newcomer. Liz, what's what's your experience with chanting and call and response?
3: nowhere near what Leslie was describing. My goodness, that would really, that would be a turnoff for me for sure. And for the same reasons, the exclusionary piece of, this is a club and I'm not part of it. The response of hi I am and the response of hi um, was always sort of an unnerving kind of thing for me because I would be just as happy to slip in, the sit down in the back row and nobody know I'm there But if they said my name back to me, you know, the whole room knows I'm there, um, Mm. which they do anyway. But that was uncomfortable for me. But now I love it. The responses within the readings, uh, there was one meeting I attended for a lot of years where in the uh, how it works, there's something about what's the point. And one person would say, well, what's the point? And then the next line is the point is. And I love that. I mean, that was but that was that one guy, and we all kind of waited for him to say it. It, it did not become. Uh, nobody else picked it up.
0: I've heard that though. I've heard no someone else who did that. I've yeah. heard that too, and I've heard uh, that and many more uh, at the YPI events and such.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, the other comments, I, I you know, I really don't care for. I do not care for the response to the twelve promises. I don't know why that irritates the pajibis out of me. <laughs>
1: Extravagant promises, we think. They
3: are extravagant, first of all, and it 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 waters them down for me. It it this is them. It's sort of an injection that I have to inject myself, and I I just I don't like. The only response at the end of a meeting I like is keep coming back. I don't like the work if you work it because it works when you work it, and so I Mm -hmm. have a semantics issue. Good point. Pick it apart. Pick it apart. That's right. Read between the lines. (laughs) it feels sassy, but I love being sassy. It feels demeaning. I don't know. I don't like it. I think I made that kind of clear. (laughs) I think, yeah, well, I know what you're saying. Although
1: I like that kind of stuff, but then certain things, I don't like it at the end of a prayer to have call and response. And sometimes it can go on and on. And there was an old timer in the meeting that I used to go to. He really didn't like it. And he would say, next thing you know, we're going to be doing a little jig at the end of the prayer. You know,
0: (laughs) I got to throw this one out there, Don, because, you know, maybe we can make this happen. When I was doing recovery in Durham, North Carolina, some of the groups that I went to as we closed with the serenity prayer. We ended with boom shakalaka instead of amen. Okay. (laughs) Yes. And that is something that I have brought to California. And I'm so far the only
1: person saying it. But it's certainly not serious. So there's some things that should be taken seriously. And the prayer should be taken seriously. It's the point where we're inviting our higher power into the room to end this meeting. Should we end the meeting on a somber note, though? Or should we be happy people? is there a difference between being somber and being serious
2: or somber and grateful I (laughs) jump in leslie i have some feelings right um i practice a non-traditional faith uh, and i have friends who are jewish and uh Mm -hmm. in sacramento we generally end with the lord's prayer for a very long time i would like customize the lord's prayer to like annoy people around me because i wanted them to know that i was different And then I realized, who was that really serving? Like they they were still saying the prayer. They weren't nearly as affected by me changing the prayer as anybody else, like as I was affected by trying to make this stance. And it doesn't align with my beliefs. I feel like at least for me, prayer is something that like should be done meaningfully and should have meaning and purpose behind it. So when other people are saying the Lord's Prayer, I don't say it. I pray quietly to myself what I feel comfortable with to end it because it is about inviting your higher power into that meeting and like being uh, grateful to be there. And, but like, I know my Jewish friends like saying a prayer like that is goes against their spiritual beliefs. And so um, if we're going to be inclusive, there are some questions about like some of the prayers that we have chosen to identify with in our program. And that comes from the history of us being mostly a Judeo-Christian nation. And so.
0: And the source of AA.
2: Yeah. Was so. a
0: Christian. And you have just nailed what another episode of controversy It is. is. I think that's
1: going into another Closing one.
0: prayers. What about at the end of the prayer? What is said in the groups that you attend when the prayer finishes? A
2: lo- there's a lot of things. Uh, it depends on the meeting I'm in. So like really common in y is to end with ramen.
0: <laughs> Pastafarianism.
2: Yeah. Like ra- like ramen and like, uh, like amen. It, it, it depends. Um, like I realized that like, I don't have the monopoly on how recovery works. If, You decide that, like, you're going to have fun, and like, this is how you get sober. More power to you.
0: There you go. Hey, Liz, we're going to let you close it out for us. What do you got?
2: Well, uh, I just love this conversation,
3: and I feel relief that as I have grown spiritually, and I call it that, I agree with what's being said about the prayers, and I understand the heritage of the Judeo Christian peace, but I do feel very sensitive to other religions, commitments and and philosophies. That being said, the roteness of it, the rhythm of it is always very positive for me.
0: All right, well, folks, that ends this segment of Controversy. controversy. (laughs) All right, well, everybody take a breath because it's time to play Dump the Thumpers! That's a big book! Our big book quiz show. And here's our quiz master, Wanny Ding Dong! (laughs) Thanks, Spammy! I have researched the first
1: 164 pages of the big book.
0: Now, last time you referenced
1: Dr. Bob's story and some of the stories some of the stories are in there but all these questions it's all big book goodness and i have chosen a few easy questions easy
0: is a relative term it's easy <laughs> if you know the answer don it's
1: multiple choice so y'all don't get upset it's easy as catching rats at the city dump I don't know
2: who wants to catch rats
1: that's know. easy and what do they win if they catch a I mean if they get
0: the right answer (laughs) (laughs) the warm glow of accomplishment. well that's nice but is that all Mm, and a subscription to the grapevine that's great you get a
1: subscription to the grapevine magazine I've got two questions for each contestant if you guess wrong then the other one can venture a guess who goes first? Well, the one who most recently attended
0: an AA meeting. Ooh, <laughs> Leslie, when was your uh, last meeting?
2: 11 o'clock last night. West Coast
0: time. West Coast time. <laughs> <laughs> and Liz, uh, when was your last
3: meeting? I it would have been Thursday
0: at noon. Ooh, Leslie, you go first. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Question number one. There's an odd experiment with liquor described in More About Alcoholism. I'm going to list four possibilities. Which one of these is the real experiment described in the big book? An ounce of whiskey with a roadhouse sandwich will not hurt. An ounce of whiskey in my cereal will not end well. An ounce of whiskey is risky while jaywalking. Or... An ounce of whiskey in my
0: milk is none too smart.
2: Ooh. Ooh.
0: <laughs> Leslie is rather certain of this answer. Let's find out.
2: Is whiskey in milk? And I know this because that was the first thing I read in a big book study.
0: The answer is from page 36. Suddenly, the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk. The correct answer is, an ounce of whiskey in my milk is none too smart.
3: Ding, 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 ding.
0: (laughs) Point goes to
1: Leslie. Congratulations, Leslie. Leslie or Liz, have either one of you poured liquor into milk.
2: (laughs) So the reason why this stands out to me is because we were reading that and I'm lactose intolerant. And I was like, well, I'll throw the milk up and keep the booze. So this is perfect. And then I was, that's a very alcoholic thought. And that was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Leslie, I got one more question for you here. Question two and how it works. We're told. If you want what we have, you need to go to any lengths to get it. And we are given the steps. What if we stop halfway? What do we achieve with half measures? The halfway mark to happy recovery? Half-ass recovery? Nothing? Moderation? The courage to change.
0: What do we achieve with half measures?
3: Half measures avail us nothing.
0: Page 59. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his care and protection with complete abandon. The correct answer is nothing. <laughs> you are right, Liz. Congratulations. Thank you. Woohoo. <laughs> I think they might get a little
1: bit harder here. Oh, no. You're known to do that, Don. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie. A quote from How It Works, from page 66. The grouch and the brainstorm are not for us. What do they mean by brainstorm? I have five choices here. Sudden rage. A brilliant idea. Headache. A sudden idea to drink. A tornado of confusion. What do they mean by brainstorm?
2: Oh, I'm trying to think because I'm, because like when you said that, I was like, that's right before self-righteous anger. And then, so I think it's rage. I don't know for sure. Mm,
0: not too certain on that one, are you?
2: Sun rage. I think I'm going to go with the sun.
0: Mm, let's find out. From the Merriam-Webster, today we think of a brainstorm as a positive thing, something that solves a problem or gets the creative juices flowing. But when it was first used, brainstorm meant something very different. According to the 1934 edition of the Unabridged Dictionary, it meant only a violent, transient mental derangement manifested in a maniacal outburst. (laughs) Oh, my God. Isn't that fabulous? Or a sudden rage. Yeah. I'm going to read that one again, though, because it is so good. A violent... Transient mental derangement manifested in a maniacal outburst. Yes. Now, it's a brainstorm. <laughs> <laughs> brainstorm took on a new meaning in the uh, the 1950s when used by Walt Disney's think tank as a forum for sharing ideas. So the correct answer is a brainstorm is a sudden rage. You got it, Leslie. Good. Hi-oh.
2: Hi-oh. Ding,
1: ding, ding, ding. Yeah, the meaning of brainstorm has changed the way it's commonly used. Liz, for our final question here, it's Leslie has two and Liz has one, but here's a chance where you can tie it up. Okay. In How It Works, we are told God enables us to match what with serenity? (laughs) Pandemics? (laughs) Calamity? Tragedy? Sex. Catastrophe. We can match what with serenity? Calamity.
0: You seem certain. <laughs> now you don't. <laughs> All right. Well, let's find out. The answer is on page 68. Just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity
3: the answer is calamity
0: all right all right
3: leslie (laughs) well we
0: have a winner (laughs) no we don't it's a tie don well what are we gonna do sam it's a good idea i think to have some general service stuff involved in the podcast what do you think okay (laughs) let's go with the Third legacy procedure
1: that's often resorted to when there's no clear winner in AA elections. We're going to go to the hat. <laughs> we're going to
2: draw a name from the hat. Uh, I'm getting and business meeting flashbacks. Here we go.
0: <laughs> All right. Three, two, one, and it is Leslie. <laughs>
1: But you're both winners in my book. Technically,
2: we're both winners.
3: We are winners. (laughs) All four of us are winners, actually. And i got to say that
0: you both appear to have the warm glow of accomplishment. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) And a pretty good knowledge of the big book, because we've played these before and asked these questions in different situations. And... Some of these have been hard. Uh, I wouldn't have gotten uh, Leslie's
3: second one.
2: When you said the page, I was like, that's in How It Works. I had to like context clue my way back. (laughs) I had no idea what it was. I was like, I don't even know if that's in there. I think this might be a trick question.
0: (laughs) Don has been known to do
1: that. (laughs) Well, you know, the first time I ran across it was in a big book study. We had a 1939 dictionary that we looked up words we looked up brainstorm as well. Whoa, wait, it's totally different than what I thought it
0: meant. Mm. There's a a couple of old world word references in there that are really pretty cool. Uh, When it talks like our our lives were shot through with fear,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, being shot through is actually talking about weaving where a thread is shot through the textile that has been woven. Whoa. So it's a part of it. And then Shoemaker, stick to thy last. <laughs> what is a last?
3: What's Shoemaker? I was trying to figure out who he was. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Shoemaker.
1: Our beloved original Dr. Shoemaker. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> Thanks everyone for being here today. This is Absolutely. a great
0: deal of fun leslie liz thank you so much for joining us it's
1: been thank, a joy. thank
3: you nice to be with you leslie nice
2: to be here
0: thanks for joining us the aa grapevine half hour variety hour is posted every monday and is produced by aa grapevine inc we don't speak for aa as a whole we share the experience strength and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find A.A. Grapevine on Instagram and the A.A. Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about A.A., Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit a.a.org.